and then we go into the opening. Okay. <laughs> you think that reading was all right? That was perfectly fine. Okay. If, if you would like, okay. if you could have as many takes of that as you would like. Uh, that, that, that sounded fine to me. If I go back and review it, I may change my mind. So let's not review it. <laughs> I like how Jeff always puts it into my hands that I'm the person who's going to be doing this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, There's a division of labor, and I said, yeah, I can't do that. So this is – and there you know that it's being recorded because that right. uh, Zoom update. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Okay, I'm not going to waste any time. I'm Rick. Jeff is here. Carl Potts is here. We're just going to jump back into where we left off last time. Think, I, I want to go ahead and just before we do anything else, I want to thank you very, very much for this. I really appreciate this. Give you a background for it's Jeff and I. We, um, <laughs> we are complete amateurs. Uh, and when we started this little project a couple of years ago, we we're like, we want to do a podcast and talk about comic books. And we're going to talk about Power Pack. And that was all we were going to do. And then late one night, I decided that the beers I had had have given me enough courage. And I was going to write a letter to June Brigman. And I'm going to ask her if she wanted to be interviewed by us. And when I sobered up, I said, oh, God, did I really do that? But it was it was a lot of fun. She really enjoyed talking to us. We then were able to talk to Wheezy. We've been able to talk to Mark Sumerak, John Bogdanov, uh, June and Wheezy. Jeremy again. Whitley. Oh, oh yeah, uh, Jeremy Whitley. So uh, we... we been going out and trying to find as many people who have touched power pack as possible before, before i forget someone you should reach out to if you haven't already is brent anderson who did a number of fill-ins yeah we need to do that I, you and hillary barda both kind of like coincidentally back to back going oh hey and it's like okay cool and then it was like very much along the lines where I'm like we need to get in contact with terry austin and brent eric anderson yeah and so those are those are on the list as well. Yeah. I, I know I've reached out to him a few times, and he's never seemed very interested in doing the interview. So, which person was this? Were we talking about Brent? Brent. Brent. Brent oh Anderson. yeah, yeah. Well, I know he really enjoyed. He always has very you know fun things to say about the power pack issues, but I basically ended that by having him on Strike Force Moratoria, which ate up all his time. I can't remember. It was, wasn't there a power pack two where Val Merrick did the pencils? I think one issue. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He, he, he also did it as well. Yeah. We've he, talked about his art. There's, there's a lot of people we, where we're at in doing our run. Cause we've been doing it consecutively. We started with the first issue, any crossovers we've brought in as well. We have actually just finished recording our coverage uh. of this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Yeah. Um, Remind me to tell of, you the, the kind of origin story of, of what the... I would... We will. We definitely yeah, will. we want to know that. That'd be great. One of our fans reminded of me about this, and so we we did that as well, and we're going to start going in and, and talking about New Warriors, because we just finished the original run with the holiday special, and so now we're going to be getting into some of the extra stuff, and eventually we're going to get to some of the newer Power Pack stuff that was put out as well. So... Um, I, I will tell you that our way of reviewing the books is uh, we do a very silly retelling of the books. We use inserting a lot of new pop culture and doing our kind of own retelling of it. We do voices. 
my daughter comes in and does the sound effects and she's 10 years old and she does Katie's voice. Um, I've, I've heard a few of those. Those are incredibly oh, cute. Oh, you have? <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I hope we didn't no, offend we, you. I've got fairly thick skin and you guys don't do anything that I've heard so far that would penetrate the upper dermal layers. So. That's good. We, we try and come at it really from a place of love and, you know, it, but with like people that you love, you acknowledge the warts and all mm -hmm. kind of like there are flaws, but there are things that, that are, you know, the love outweighs the flaws, but we got to kind of mention some flaws. We, I will, I will be honest with you. We had a very tough time getting through the last few issues that were done by Michael Higgins, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> Actually, we are, we are going to touch a little bit on that. Cause that was one of our questions that we had. Yeah, and but... I, I, I'll say I, I never, um, I never read any of those. I couldn't bring myself to, to read that stuff. You, you you made a wise choice. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't think it was as bad as everybody says. It was a different take. It was an alternative take. We also really saw it as a, uh, like he really wanted to be writing Fantastic Four because everything he was doing was very much kind of like a side load of Fantastic Four. Was he using Franklin to uh, get into that or? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, but... Franklin was a, was very much front and center. There was one issue that it was very much, this is a Fantastic Four issue and Power Pack just happens to be guest stars. <laughs> so yeah, but anyways, let's let's dive into the questions. Okay. Now we asked a couple of your coworkers to help us out with some questions that we should ask you, including Louise Simonson. And she wanted to ask you about the classes that you teach at SVA. What are those classes that you teach and what do you find to be an effective approach to teaching? I teach both undergrad and continuing ed classes at SVA. And I also teach at Academy of Art University, which is based in San Francisco. I do online classes for them. And then occasionally I teach classes at uh, Pace University in Manhattanville College. Most of my teaching is done at School of Visual Arts. And I don't know if either of you have read the book I wrote on sequential visual storytelling it came out even though my whole career was at marvel it came out from dc i i have not had a chance to read it i no apologize it. pure gold how can you resist <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry we parents, parents the free time doesn't exist <laughs> I, I i i did i did recently buy your alien legion book and i'm starting to go through that so i'm i'm doing what i can man i'm doing what i can well the, the trouble now is that with that there was a, uh, with the, the whole line of the, the DC Comics Guide 2 line, there was like six titles in there. Like Denny wrote one on writing and Klaus did one on penciling and then another one on inking and so on. The trouble is, is that that was a uh, licensing deal between DC Warner Brothers and uh, an imprint of Random House. And I think it was a 20-year deal. And these books were perennial sellers. They just kept selling and selling. But when it came time to renew the deal, Warner Brothers... Uh, wouldn't give Random House the terms I really needed to make it viable for them to continue. So the books were discontinued and there were no remainders, no cutouts. They, because it was licensed that they had to be destroyed in the warehouse. So suddenly overnight for me, there's no, no titles available. So if you go onto online booksellers and you can find them, you know, they're going for really high prices, particularly the hardbound edition of my book was about seven hundred dollars. I don't know who on earth was that rich and stupid to buy it <laughs> for seven hundred dollars. Even the paperbacks were going for much higher now. They're still higher than the original price. If you can get them now, they're they're pretty they're generally pretty expensive, but I tell people to go to 
abe.com, which is a you know a bunch of different independent bookstores that list their stuff on a single site. You can usually find them reasonably priced there. Uh, in the book, I go into how when I began editing, I decided to try and find the right mix of working through creative inspiration and an intellectual approach to comics. That's what I try and do when I'm teaching now as well. The right balance between students using their instincts and um, creative inspiration and using intellectual tools to help hone those things uh, to be the best that they can be. It's all in the book that you don't have. (laughs) (laughs) We will find it. We'll find it. We'll pay the $700 and we'll find it. (laughs) I started out co-teaching a senior portfolio class there uh, with Klaus Jansen. And then uh, that's how I got in there. Klaus helped bring me into the school. And then um, he went back to teaching his his class for sophomores. And I continued solo for a while. And then I teamed up with Joey Cavallari and we switched over to the junior thesis class. Uh, I created a, a new class for them called Creating Fictional Worlds where the students come in with their fictional story world ideas and we create a, a Bible for their story world that goes into not only all the characters and the storylines, story but the internal logic of, of the world they've created, you know, character designs and environment designs, all this stuff. It's basically a pitch Bible that they can go, if they want, they can go take it to a publisher and try and get a deal made for it. One of the things that always bothers me when I'm reading a story or seeing a film is if you've created a fictional universe that has these major lapses in internal story logic, this person can fly. Why the hell didn't they do this over there? You know, kind of thing. So just if you live in a, a world where everybody can fly, why do all of the doorways need to be at street level? Just simple, logical stuff like that. But I, I like to have all that stuff be as consistent as possible. So that's one of the big things about creating the Bible there. And then uh, at Academy of Art University, they most of those classes are ones they had set up already on creating comics and graphic novels. And uh, I do a little tweaking to their, their lesson plans. But uh, mostly it's me reacting to student work and giving them feedback on it. That's great. I, I, I like hearing that you and June Brinkman both kind of are giving back and, and be, have, have become masters and have become the teachers of the knowledge that you have gained over the years. And I, I think that's wonderful. I think that's great. I, I had a big a blast. I don't know, about four or so years ago, June was teaching at SCAD, uh, the Atlanta branch of SCAD. And they flew me down there to give my visual storytelling talk to June's class at SCAD. That, that was a blast. That was great. I think she talked about that. I think I, I think, think she, she mentioned did. that. I think, yeah, she, did. I think she, she was all giddy about that too. I would like to shift, do a big left turn shift, and to get into some of our other questions that we ask. And of course, one of the joys of being on our show is to be asked a question by the next generation of Power Pack readers, and that takes the form of my daughter Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I've heard your work in some previous episodes, and it's fabulous. Thank you. Carrie does have a couple of questions that she wanted to ask you. Okay. First of all, do you have any pets? It's like my favorite question. My pets are all of an aquatic nature. I'm really into to fish keeping. So I have different, not only fish, but I also have uh, these tiny, brightly colored freshwater shrimp. 
And I breed those not on purpose so much as they just breed on their own. They're kind of like the crustacean version of guppies, I guess. <laughs> I also grow a lot of different types of aquatic plants and so on. But there's a certain type of freshwater fish, a family called the killifish family, that are very brightly colored males, kind of like guppies are, but they're egg layers. Uh, and they have all different species and all different color patterns. And I, I like uh, breeding those. And I just set up outside now a couple of tubs that I'm going to put some breeding pairs in there. And uh, hopefully at the end of the summer, I'll have a bunch of adolescent uh, killifish in there. Nice. But that wasn't the answer you were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> that was really unexpected. <laughs> She's used to handling uh our answers about dogs and cats, especially yeah, cats. I like I like dogs and cats, but since I often go away for extended periods of times on convention trips and so on, and I can't always count on my uh, my young adult kids being around, so it's been a long time. But occasionally, my, my son has a cat that's named Nellie after my mother. When he goes away, I get to take care of that. Hmm. Okay, yeah, fish... Uh wouldn't really mind people being gone. <laughs> the, the cat, when the, the cat comes over, the, the, the top of the fish tank has to be covered. That's for sure. <laughs> they don't want to play together, the cats and the fish. Oh, the cat wants to play. <laughs> it wants to play food. <laughs> Wait, what's the next one? Which character in Power Pack are you most like? That's tough. There's aspects of all of them I can identify with, but I think... Maybe because uh, he's got a scientific bent to them. It would be Alex, particularly in the G, when he's got the G powers. We, we did some interesting stuff there with, with him when he, when he could levitate because he didn't have any gravity, but he couldn't really propel himself. He either had to rely on his sister to, to propel him or um, use something else to, to propel him. At one point, she had him use uh, aerosol cans and I asked her to make sure that that was specified that they were non-fluorocarbon aerosol cans, which at the time was they, a lot of them were, and that was bad for the ozone layer. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I know you you won't know who this was, but years later I was at a comic convention in England, and I met a famous writer named Alan Moore. And his first words out of his mouth to me were like, "Oh, you're the editor who made Louise Simons and changed stuff in Power Pack." And I thought, "Oh my goodness, he's going to give me some grief now." And he's he ended up saying, my wife and I are both members of the Green Party. And we think it's great that you asked her to change the stuff and all that. So, uh, That's cool. I, I, I did a big sigh of relief at that point. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> this one's kind of a long one. As an editor, you have to bring people together. In my math group at, in school, I have someone who only makes small comments and does not participate much. How do you bring people together to work together? Mm, boy, you know the master of that is actually Wheezy, so... Uh, <laughs> But it's good to ask her that. I think uh, one thing to do is try and find out what common interests and abilities are and start from there, activities or conversations. Hopefully everybody's got some things that cross over in their list of things that they're interested in or can get interested in. I found that most people are interested in being friendly and cooperative with other people. Just sometimes they're a little shy or reserved, insecure or whatever. And the thing to do is just kind of, you know, friend in a friendly way, coax them out of their shell, trying to be too forceful. If you're too forceful, you get the opposite reaction. They retract more. 
you just got to kind of observe things and see how they go. If something you say or do sparks their interest or it makes them ask a question or make a comment, then you know you're maybe in an area that you have common interest in and you're off and running. Did I answer your question or I totally screw up or misunderstand what you were saying? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to unpack it in her own head. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I might have confused, confused her. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I do it all the time. I do it all the time. <laughs> Thank you very much, Gary. Do you want to go back up and play with Aurora some more? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Do you want to say goodbye? Goodbye. Say thank Bye. You. Thanks. Thank Appreciate you. you coming to talk to me. I don't like to brag, but that's our sound effects, and that's our voice of Katie. Yeah, I've heard a few of those. Excellent job. We are lucky to have I'm her. I'm impressed Cherish with that age because, uh, like I said, my, my daughter's 26, and it goes by way too fast. My wife and I tend to look at each other and we're trying to figure out where the last 10 years went. We, we, we can remember parts of it, but then it's just like, we have a 10-year-old. What happened there? And w- what's going on? <laughs> For so, me, Aurora's yeah. going to be four next month. And that's crazy. It's just like, huh, okay. It, it has been fun seeing the comics through her eyes and, and getting her reaction to some things. Because I'm not telling her what's going to happen. I'm like, here's the next issue. What do you think? And and getting her perspective as a kid on this these comics that are that i read as yeah, a kid. and sometimes they'll come up with things that hadn't even occurred to you and you go whoa <laughs> yeah yeah we we've we have dissected these books and then after we're done doing our recording i'm sitting here talking to her and she's like yeah i noticed this one thing we didn't talk about that <laughs> now, now how did you two guys meet and find out you both liked power pack not just comics but power pack have you ever heard of geocaching? I know the term, but I don't know the definition. Geocaching is where somebody has taken a box and hid it in the forest, and they use a GPS to, that's the location, and then you go and find it. We both met geocaching back in 2004. Uh, we both lived in the same area. We started going to the same events, and we met each other and became friends. And we've been friends for... Two to three years. 13. <laughs> well, I mean, 13, yeah, 13 years there. I know it's crazy. Um, so we've been friends for a long time. And I got into my head that I wanted to do a podcast. And I'd kind of run through some ideas in my mind. And I know I'm not that funny. I, and I know I couldn't do a podcast by myself. So I needed somebody that could be funny. And I thought of Jeff. And so we started talking. I was like, I got an idea. I want to do it on Power Pack. That- yeah, because, well, because also like the week before we were having dinner together and he said, hey, I'm just going through old comics. I'm just pulling out my long boxes. I just I'm, I'm reading Power Pack and it's really great. I'm like, I love that series. I've got it all stacked up in a you know a box back at my mom's place. And he was like, huh, cool. So we talked about Power Pack for a bit. This has been a fun way of him and I becoming even closer friends and becoming business partners, but doing something that's that is creative, too. And it's it is not as good as putting together a comic book but it there is moving parts that we need to do especially when we do an interview or have a guest on there is the technical side which we have to put it together we have to do the editing scripting format yeah scripting that we do so there's creative elements that we're doing with this it's been a good outlet for ourselves since we can't draw and our our writing is perfect for an audio medium and we've got the faces for a tv so Uh this is what we're good at have either of you actually (laughs) tried to learn how to draw i dabble in from time to time but uh it you probably know how it is where it's the focus pull and you know things that are 
hard. You know, my daughter will constantly hand me a piece of paper and go draw this. And it's just like, you bet. And I realized I could just become, it, it doesn't matter because she's going to take it and really shove it away and go, now I want a building. Now I want a daddy. Now I want Timmy the sheep or whatever. And it's just like, well, all right, here, have some crap. Many of the creative talent things, art, music, things like that. I've always wanted to get more into, but it's, it's kind of the, the, the time sink to get there is uh, a little off-putting. I'm doing everything in my power to give my daughter the support that she needs to become a good artist or to do what she wants to do creatively. You said she's, she's 10 now. Yeah. It's not too long after that where kids that are drawing most, almost all kids draw when they're young. What changes between those who continue and those who don't is often somewhere around 10 to 13, somewhere near that. They get interested in trying to draw as representationally as possible. And the stuff they turned out before is no good. It's not mm -hmm. satisfying. And those who can figure out how to start drawing more representationally generally go on to keep progressing. And those who can't get frustrated and, and stop. That's why most adults, you know, draw like they're 10 to 12 That's years me. old. Uh, mm -hmm. And the one thing I, I've known that I think can, for people who really want to and can put a little bit of time into it that can help them learn how to draw very quickly or improve their drawing, is uh, an old book that originally came out in the, the 70s, even though there's been a, you know, they're still turning out new editions by Betty Edwards called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, where she runs through a whole set of drawing exercises that if you really apply yourself and you do the drawing exercises while applying yourself and do them exactly the way she tells you in exactly that order, within a very, very short amount of time, you should see a major leap in your drawing abilities. Uh, and I know people where I recommended the book to and they go, oh, yeah, I looked at it and I, you know, I did one of these things over here and one of these things over there and I didn't learn how to draw it. But I said, did you do it methodically like she has it laid out? There's a reason for that. She goes into the theories about why she has um, the exercises she does when she has them and, and so on in there. But so I, I often recommend drawing on the right side of the brain, but I always have to use the caveat is to do it in order. Don't just page through it. And I've tried to encourage her at an early age. I encouraged her to not get angry and not throw things away <laughs> that if she didn't like something she drew that don't rip it up, don't scrawl over it leave it there and move on to the next page. And then you can go back to it and you can see what you did wrong and learn from it yeah. and not to just get angry at it, but just to use it as an example of what not to do and how to get better. And, and I, I found that she was getting less angry at what she was drawing and she was trying to do a little bit better. And so I, I, I always try to encourage her in that sense. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think, yeah, if you can get them past that point of frustration, that's the key to keeping them drawn. The other thing I have to do is I have to not critique her art. I try my best not to, but you know, she handed me this comic book that she did and it was really cute. It was really funny. She's, you know, she's doing it, but near the end, I was like, your drawing's really messy near the end. Were you rushed? And she goes, yeah, I was, I wanted to get it done and I was getting really rushed. I was going, I can tell. I like the art at the beginning. I like the art a lot, but I can tell that you were getting really rushed and I'm losing the story and, I, and it's, it's not as clear. 
But I'm, I'm saying, I want you to know I like this a lot, and I would love it even more if, if you had taken your time. <laughs> the, the one thing that impressed me, like I said, that story about my father, where he made me get down and really examine what I was look, drawing and, and what it was consisted of. If you can come up with observations like that once in a while, that the light bulb helps the light bulb go off over their head and uh, keeps them interested and growing. Before we get out of here, I, I want to try to hit you with a couple of our listener questions that we have. Okay. We did ask some of our, our listeners. We knew we were saying we we're going to talk to you, and they had some questions. Who? Who, who is who you have on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, our listeners. Let me tell you, the listeners that we have are Power Pack friends from the beginning, and they know who you are. Yeah, we literally have some people that uh, had written into the letter column. At least one person yes. who is just like, oh, uh, my letter's in there. You know, <laughs> It's like, oh, that's wow. cool. Oh, yeah, it's the people that are Power Pack fans, were Power Pack fans. It is crazy <laughs> how much they've held on to it. And like generationally passed it on where they're like, oh, this means a lot to me because I was reading it to my daughters and we still quote stuff on that. Or I was getting this yeah. and then I pass it on to my nephew. And, you know, it's, the, it's like, it's weird because it's really important parts of their lives and it's a good foundational memory that they hold on to, which is really kind of fun and kind of you know, unique. We thought we were just out there talking about it. And then all of a sudden people started listening and saying, no, we really like this. And we were shocked about that ourselves. We're like, wow, okay, well, we're going to keep on doing this. We have been described as a niche of a niche. True. It is a strong niche that is small, but might. And hopefully you'll get a whole wave of new people if Marvel uh, ever, the productions ever gets smart and actually turns out a quality power pack uh, film or TV series. I don't know if you ever saw the... The god-awful uh, pilot. Yes. The one live episode that we did, that's where we we discussed the Power Pack TV show, and that was a thing. That was definitely a thing. You know, at one point, I, I could have bought a copy of it. I, I saw it, when it, it on a VHS tape when they first sent it to me as the editor to check out. Or uh, I think it was actually after, I, I think I was executive editor then. Let's check it out. And um, to make matters worse, most, most of the special effects hadn't been attached in yet. Although that might have been actually been better because of that. Your imagination uh, yeah. would take over at that <laughs> yeah, stage. Would be probably better would have been better. Yeah. You had about the easiest source material on the planet to work with that was so well crafted. Why screw with it? I like. I still love yep. Wheezy's description of it. We asked her if she had seen it and what her thoughts were, and she said, I've seen it. They sure did try. <laughs> Which I think is a delightful way of saying that an effort was it's made. <laughs> it's, it's a delightful way of saying, oh, yeah, bless, bless their, their hearts. hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask a question from AJ. He, speaking of the letter columns, how did the letters sent from Power Pack readers compare to fan mail from other titles that you were working on? Oh, boy, that's, you're asking me to remember details of things that were so <laughs> long ago. Most of the time what happened with the letter columns is that if the writer of that book happened to be into doing so, they would go through all the letters, pick out the ones for the letter columns and write responses and give it to me to make sure I was happy with what they'd done. I cannot remember if Wheezy did that on Parapec or not. If not, usually what would happen is one of the few ways an assistant editor at Marvel could get some freelance work was to do the letter columns for another office. You couldn't work for your own office and get paid for it because you're supposed to be doing it as a part of your staff job. But if you were freelancing it for another office, you could. So 
I think they got a whopping $50 a letters page or something like that. And back then in New York, they'll keep you in uh, Cheerios for a month or something. So, uh, no, we had different assistant editors work on some of the, the titles. So I would occasionally do them myself just to keep my hand in and see what you know people were thinking. But I didn't want to do it too much because I figured that the people writing in were either the people that were most loving or despising what you were doing. And I was missing a big gap there in the middle that I wanted to, mm -hmm. to find out what they were thinking of. So I was careful not to assume that the letter writers represented the full audience by any means. Although I cannot remember getting a letter in the power pack that was uh, negative in any way, shape or form. There may have been, maybe it was shielded. I was shielded from it or something. Uh, you should ask Wheezy that if she did the letter columns herself or if somebody, one of the assistant editors did. We really need to get Wheezy back on here uh, for round three for our Yeah, questions. we just want to keep talking to her is what it really boils down to. Everybody we have on is kind of like, could you come back? We just want to talk is what it really boils down to. By the way, by the way she and I kind of, sort of almost worked together again recently on something that just came out from D.C. Um, there was a uh, there's a new Catwoman graphic novel called Soul Stealer, I think it is. That mm -hmm. was based on a prose Catwoman graphic prose <laughs> novel. Weezy did the adaptation of the prose novel, and I was asked to do the layouts for it. D.C. does this sometimes where they, they hire artists that they like their finished art style, but the artists aren't very good at visual storytelling so they'll ask people like me to do layouts for them to make sure the storytelling works and it's it was like 150 something pages that was just i couldn't commit to that i told them listen i got one of my uh, my best adult continuing ed students brett ryan said i will do some of the work but he'll do the majority of it and i'll go over everything and make sure it works before it gets turned into you does that work and they said uh sure then they said that there were, too, there were going to be too many credits on the credits page. I'm not sure whose decision that was. So they couldn't list both me and Brett. So I said, Brett's going to be doing, you know, 95% of this. Put his name on there. This is first, you know, work for a major company. And then over the next couple of years, while this thing was in production, DC had several different huge turnovers in their editorial staff, and including a big giant layoff of almost everybody. And the current editors did not have information about what had happened with the first set of editors, much less the second set of editors. So, so it just came out and it lists me first on the layouts with Brett Ryan's when it should have been, if anything, the other way around. But uh, it was nice to see Wheezy and my name on the credits page for the first time together on something new in a very long time. Yeah, that looks like that just came out June 1st. So I need to go and I need to make sure I get that one too. To wrap up the listener questions, Tim Price, who co-hosts a podcast called The Outcasters, he always asks interesting questions and they're always about cheese. So his question is, what cheese-based casserole would you serve to the cast of Alien Legion? Mm. Boy, oh boy, since uh, Alien Legion is made up of different aliens from any number of planets and environments and not, some of them probably taste things that we're incapable of tasting and don't taste others. <laughs> probably say go to try and be safe, go with something relatively bland just to be as safe as possible. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go as bland as American cheese, but uh, <laughs> maybe mozzarella. 
So so you're, it seems like you're taking the, the wheezy approach. You're trying to make sure that you're trying to please as many people as possible. Maybe maybe we're going to be upsetting the outside, but we're going to try to bring them into the center. Yeah, or, or the inverse, to take the route that will have the least chance of taking off or uh, offending as <laughs> many people. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you have just done the one uh, comic with... Weezy stole a soul stealer from DC Comics. Is there anything else that's coming out or will be completed soon that you would like to tell people about? Not completed soon, unfortunately, but uh, a project that's near and dear to my heart that's been in production already for so many years that it's already missed its uh, publishing date is uh, a graphic novel called The Flying Column that I'm doing with Bill Reinhold that is based on my family's experiences in the Philippines during World War II and the rescue mission that uh, saved them from being killed. Um, otherwise I wouldn't exist. Uh, but, um, I wrote the script a long time ago and I was going to do the layouts for it and Bill was going to do the finished art, but I was taking so long on the layouts, we decided he'd take over, but then he's turned into even more of a dead snail than I was in getting them done. He is putting in such meticulous effort and work into these things. The pages look phenomenal, phenomenal. He's doing them in ink wash. And then we scan them and turn the ink washes into sepia tones so they have that 1940s look to them. And they just look absolutely gorgeous, but they're coming out at a snail's pace. And I only half-jokingly half tell them I'd like to see this while I'm still alive. But it does look gorgeous, but I'm not sure when it'll be out. We are going to keep our eyes out for that, and we will make sure to tell people about it. I want to say thank you very much for all of your time. This is this has been incredible. This has been a lot of your time, and we, we really, really appreciate do. it. And thank you so much for coming back and, and contacting me and saying that you were now interested in doing this because I, I had said, well, he's he's busy man. I'm not going to bug him too much. And then you contact me, and I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure. It was a, it was a hoot. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Well, we try, we try to make sure that we were going to entertain you a little bit and try not to ask you the same questions that everybody always asks you. So we, we hope we entertained you a little bit with that. If they ever do a power pack film or TV show, it might be fun to try and get Reezy, June, John, and I, and, you know, to get Brent or if you do it, one and that, and do sort of a, a group, a group thing. We might spark memories that, you know, what some one or some of us have that others have forgotten. I would love to do that, honestly, anyway. Kind of one of the things that was like, oh, we had June and then we had Wheezy. Then I was like, oh, let's get June and Wheezy together and kind of talked about their uh, grow up. And I was like, I get John in there too. Why don't we just, if we could just hodgepodge everybody together and just like stand back and go, could you guys talk and then walk away? <laughs> I would love to find a way to set up a live stream where I could have a virtual panel with all of you on there and just us being the moderators and, you know, like Jeff said, prepping the questions and just having you guys talk. Would have been really fun to do there in the past year when we were stuck at home and couldn't get together with each other, but kind of the virtual panel of what you would see at a Comic-Con, just, you know, without having to travel all the way across the world to do it. I need to get that off of just being a wish and actually try to make that happen. Well, uh, I'm interested. Just a matter if when you have that many, uh, you know, moving parts involved, it's sometimes tough to get them all uh, synchronized. Yeah, that would that would definitely be a weekend planning where we try to figure out a good time that's going to work on the weekend for mm-hmm. everybody. Set it up well enough ahead of time to get the schedules to all match, and 
Yeah. Somebody's going to have a convention in Hawaii on that weekend. Oh, yeah. It, it'll, it'll be bad, I'm <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, if only. If only. <laughs> I am going to be going to the Portland City Comic Con, and I'm going to be going to the Baltimore. Uh, I would love to get an invite to the, the, the Portland one, but I don't know anybody there. If, uh, if you know who to contact. I do have some contacts, and I was working with them a couple years ago to get uh, Wheezy and Walt out here. And, and they were on board with doing it, and they were starting to do it. And then a little thing called the pandemic yeah. happened. So I stopped talking to them and bugging them. But I will talk to the people again and see, probably not this year, because I think this year we're just trying to get things up and running. But definitely next year, I want to kind of push it again. And I'd like to get the Power Pack creators out here. I'd like to get Simonson. I'd like to get you. I'd like to get June Brinkman and her husband out here. I think that'd be... A I was in Portland briefly once a couple of years ago for, I think it was a creation convention. I was just flabbergasted that there's a park in the middle of the city that's a temperate rainforest that when yeah. you're in it, you have no idea you're surrounded by a city. Yep. It, it was that's Forest Park. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. amazing. We, we I think we have one of the largest parks, which is Forest Park, and we have the smallest park. It is it is recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as being wow. the smallest park. That's in the even world. smaller. Uh, there there are certain concrete islands in the middle of Broadway in New York that they call parks because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a bench. There's a bench there. <laughs> that's that's exactly what it is. It's a small little concrete little round thing that. They put a park there, and it came about by a newspaper, a Wiley newspaper writer who had an office that overlooked it, and he decided he was going to write about this park and the people who lived in it, the Lily Puttons who lived in it, and he named them, and they would have these Mayor's Day parades, and it became a thing, and they dedicated it as a, the world's smallest park. This, I also went to a museum there where they had a really great Leica exhibit uh, and all the stop-motion animation stuff there. That was pretty awesome. That was at OMSI. That that was oh no 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 that was that was uh, the Portland Art Museum. I remember seeing that that I remember seeing that exhibit. Yeah, because we yeah. do have a couple of I think Leica and uh, there's an, another one. What is it, the Will Venton Studios who did the the raisins yeah, 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 and then yeah. Leica, uh, uh, the who's just mm-hmm. about thirty miles out of town, and, maybe less. I know than there's that. a yeah, couple. Of, there's a couple of different animation companies. There, one of my continuing ed adult students uh, used to work for one of them. Other fact. Uh, she's the one who told me about that park. Uh, I would have never known otherwise. Uh, go check that out. Yeah, if you do come to Portland again, you also have to go to Powell's Books. It is a city block sized bookstore. One whole city block. Does it compare with the Strand in New York? Uh, apparently, it's about as big or bigger than the Strand. Oh. That means you got to plan pretty much a full day to. Yeah. You people have gotten lost inside there. It is a yeah. bit of a labyrinth. There's multiple floors, new and used books just towering above you. It's a wonderful place. It's a great place to that, just go rambling. Yeah. yeah. No, you you're always welcome to come to Portland. We would love to. Oh. I'd love to host you. I'd yeah, love to like take you guide. around. And I also went to a really good aquarium store there too. So um, I'm all for going back to Portland. Portland's got a lot of good <laughs> stuff. If you like, if you like really good beers, we got that. If you like books, we got that. We got coffee. We got parks. We've got waterfronts. We're. I always tell people we're literally 20 minutes or two hours from anything you want to go to. You want to go to the ocean? All right, that's an hour and a half that way. You want to go to the mountains? Yeah, about an hour and a half that way. You want to go to high desert? Yeah, about two, two and a half, five hours that way. You know, it's just like. Do you do you want to go to a forest that's on par with the Black Forest in Germany? Yeah, that's Columbia River Gorge. Mm-hmm. We'll take you there. Uh, it's also the Columbia River. Is, uh, I'm being I'm an avid fisherman as well. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'd love we got to fishing go. here. Yeah, believe it or not, at one point 
I kind of half seriously considered leaving comics and going on the BASS tournament trail as a pro for a while. <laughs> uh, but then, but then I wised up. <laughs> you've you've still- led an interesting life, sir, between uh, being a rock musician, a fisherman, a biolog- an aquatic biologist, and uh, in your off time, a comic book editor, writer, artist. Yeah. I could easily clone myself, you know, Lord knows how many times, and each could have their own career, and I, that would just be fine by me. Uh, <laughs> you could just get the, the rundown every day. Tell me what I did today. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love that. That'd be so great. Yeah. I, I like I said like I said repeatedly I really do appreciate this and I do hope to see you sometime. One of our fans sent us a original Power Pack poster and wow. I have it. I don't have it up because I have it still in uh, folded up in the in the envelope that they gave it to me because I want to go and I'd like to get you Wheezy June anybody else if I could if I had the opportunity to see Jim Shooter again I would get his signature on it as well was, just so I can have was it all of the was it there. the one that was for the launch of the book or was it a, one of the for sale posters at Marvel I think it was a pre production poster where I think when uh, June saw it she's like I don't even remember this if I'm remembering correctly it's a promotional oh yeah. Yeah, I did the layout for that. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I think I might have come up with that tagline at the top, too. Yeah, take credit for it. <laughs> take credit for Do it, it Carl. Well, just say, that was me. That was all me. So I'm so <laughs> sure. Oh, I'm amazing. Got to get Bob Wycheck on here, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, uh, we've had a, we had a fan who sent us, sent both of us issue number ones from the Baltimore, Baltimore Comic Con. And I think he might have gotten... Your signature on it too, but he was able to get June, Wheezy. I think your signature, and I think Bob Wycheck. And then a couple of years ago at the Washington Comic Con, Jim Shooter was up there, and I got Jim Shooter to sign both of them. So I think I'm only missing Glennis. All or I think I'm only missing. Glennis's. Well, I think she went by both Oliver and Wayne, depending on whether she was using the married name or not. At that, at the first one, she was Wayne, and then uh, I think seven issues in or something like that it turned into oliver and i was asking I'm like oh because you know read the credits and it's just like da, 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 glennis oliver and he's like oh yeah she got a divorce i felt like i felt weird about it i'm like oh i know some like oh i don't need this dirt <laughs> i don't need i don't need to know this drama oh were, were you guys confused about the editor louise jones and the writer louise simonson no I, well as a kid i might not have even noticed but as an adult i knew that entire story. In fact, when the day that we interviewed Louise Simonson, somebody on Twitter posted the picture of her from House of Mysteries, where she was the model on the cover. Swamp Thing, yeah. Of Swamp Thing. And I just, I was like, I had to pull it up. I was like, we were talking about you today, and I happened to see this come up. And so, like, you know, we knew about that. We knew about... Uh, Louise Jones and then Louise Simonson and oh, that's not- everybody has been wonderfully kind to us. So everybody cool. has been wonderfully yeah. uh, talked. I was, I'm always nervous whenever I'm about to speak to a different creator. I'm just like, Oh, I hope I don't upset them. I hope this doesn't get awkward. And it just seems like they've all turned out wonderful. You ever so I wonder really- if you're going to be interviewing a jerk. <laughs> you never know. That's, uh, that's kind of one of all those things I've heard, you know, musicians and everything say that where yeah. it's just like a person was talking about, it's like, I idolize this person's music my entire life. I got to go on tour with them. And after being on tour with them, I cannot listen to their music anymore. And it hurts my heart so much. And it's just that like, happened to me when I became a, a pro, uh, 
you know, I was starting to meet all these people that I'd seen their credits and admired their work from for years, or even in some cases, you know, somebody whose work was, yeah, eh, it's all right. But then when I got to meet them, you know, I found out if they were really nice people, or if they were jerks or somewhere in between. And there were some people that were just such jerks that I couldn't appreciate the work I used to admire before. And then there were a couple of people whose work was just okay to me, but they were just such amazing people that I appreciated their, their work more. So, you know, how you, what you know and feel about them, uh, you know, is a lens you look through the work at. Yeah. Uh, just seeing somebody through their work, it's so removed where you're just like, oh my goodness, I've, I've seen the, you know, I've read these person's stories. I love what they write. I love the stories. I love the characters they make and, you know, whether art or anything, it's just like, this is so amazing. And, but you never know that's, that that's a facet of them, but you don't know the whole spectrum. So, yeah. And that is all of the time we have with talking to Carl Potts, but we've got more stuff coming up next week. We are going to be doing another, another interview this time with Hilary Barda. And following that, we're going to be starting something very interesting. We are going to be starting our four-episode coverage of The New Warriors. And we're going to be doing it a little bit differently than normal because we're going to cover, like, I don't know, 10 different issues in one sitting, and it's going to be a lot. And that's going to be for each of those episodes. So hang in there, but we're going to have some fun guests with us to try to figure out how Power Pack and the New Warriors work together or not, but they don't because it's just Alex. And you know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and just move to something a little bit more interesting like... Shout out time! We would like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 85, where we covered What the... Number one with Jeff Polier. AJ. Al Sedano and Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. Andrew Burns. Charlie Rose. Charles Gears. Damian Druitt Witter. Ed 209. Clinton Robinson and his podcast, Fan Film Fridays and Coffee and Comics. Jeff Polier, our awesome, awesome guest. Jeremy Daw. Keith Baker. Max Reads Comics. Sailor Bear Zodar. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Tim Price, the podcrasher, and his show, The Outsiders. Waffles and his podcast, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. We need to thank our Patreon supporters, adorably astonishing and amazing, Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming, Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling, Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful, Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious, Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining, Edward Verrochi. Jesting, joking, and jovial, Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled, Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous, Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent, monologuing, Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running, Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy, Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad. And sickeningly silly, Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady, Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame, Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant, Toddy Knock. Weird and wonderfully wacky, Wind. Be sure to check out our other shows that we're on, including our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast and monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Long Box Crusade. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of live studio audience of one blue... 
Penn in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Merck Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck Present, our email address, Jeff and Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Merck Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Merck Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us and share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. Stanalibia Swelter Storify, Fungula Panchex, Gardener Eye Massage. And uh, I can't, of course, uh, forget Episemian Australia, which is, might, might be my favorite. We, we love, you. love you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action by Kevin McLeod at thecoptech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Until next time, costumes off. So would you like to be part of the uh, closeout as well? Uh, so I have to come up to, to say something that, all right. Basically just okay. uh, who is the powerful people in your packs. It could be your, your children. You could be like nah. me. I'm my own amazing person. No. I, or you can start naming off all your fish. Well, too. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I was going to name genus and species names of some different fish. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. So we'll, we'll go ahead and do this. Go ahead, Jeff, start us off. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs.